welcome to North Point's Counseling Perspective, a podcast that addresses the intricate tapestry of relational and mental health issues. I'm your host, counselor and author, John Sternfels. Whether you're navigating the challenges of romantic relationships, family dynamics, or friendships, we've got you covered. Join us each week as we provide insights from counseling professionals who help unravel the complexities of the heart and mind. So grab your headphones, settle in, and let's explore another episode in North Point's Counseling Perspective. In this week's episode, I will share the history of sexual addiction as well as what recovery from sexual addiction looks like. Sexual addiction has a complex and evolving history. And the understanding of this phenomenon has changed over time. It's important to note that the term sexual addiction itself is debated within the medical and psychological communities, and some professionals preferring terms like hypersexuality or compulsive sexual behavior disorder. Today, I'll provide a brief overview of the history of sexual addiction. Starting with early references. The idea of compulsive sexual behavior has historical roots with early references appearing in religious and philosophical texts. Various cultures and belief systems have reorganized excessive sexual behavior as problematic. Sigmund Freud, a pioneering figure in psychoanalysis, discussed the concept of sexual compulsivity in the early 20th century. He explored the idea of sexual excess and its potential impact on mental health. In the mid-20th century, behaviorism and sexology contributed to the understanding of sexual behaviors. The Kinsley Report from 1948 to 1953 documented a range of sexual behaviors, helping to normalize discussions around human sexuality. Modeled after Alcoholics Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous was founded in the 1970s. This marked one of the first organized efforts to provide support for individuals who believe they struggled with compulsive sexual behaviors. Did you know that the DSM-3 acknowledged sexual addiction as a mental health issue? Well, it was. In fact, the American Psychiatric Association included sexual addiction as a subtype of impulse control disorders in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 3rd edition, also known as the DSM-3, and that was in 1980. However, it was removed in subsequent editions due to controversies surrounding its inclusion. The concept of sexual addiction has faced criticism and controversy. Some argue it pathologizes normal sexual behaviors, lacks clear diagnostic criteria, and can be used to stigmatize certain sexual orientations and practices. Over time, the understanding of compulsive sexual behavior has evolved. The DSM-5, published in 2013, introduced hypersexual disorder as a condition for further study, but it did not include it as an official diagnosis. The World Health Organization included compulsive sexual behavior disorder in the International Classification of Diseases. Advances in neuroscientific research has provided insights into the brain mechanisms associated with compulsive sexual behavior. Similar neural pathways involved in substance addiction have been observed in some cases. The debate around sexual addiction as a distinct clinical entity continues. Some mental health professionals argue for its inclusion in diagnostic manuals, while others advocate for a more nuanced and integrated approach to understanding and treating problematic sexual behaviors. 
Various therapeutic approaches, including cognitive behavior therapy, also known as CBT, psychoanalysis, and support groups like SA, SAA, and even church-based groups like CR, also known as Celebrate Recovery. Other than these types of fellowship recovery groups, there are support groups facilitated by addiction professionals, mainly certified sexual addiction therapists, who are known as CSATs. These professionally facilitated groups address not only the compulsive sexual behavior, but also address the underlying issues and help individuals develop healthier relationships with sex. prominent name in the field of sexual addiction recovery is Dr. Patrick Carnes. Dr. Carnes is a psychologist and a leading expert in the field of sexual addiction and recovery. He has made significant contributions to the understanding and treatment of compulsive sexual behaviors. Here are some key points about Dr. Carnes. Regarding his background in education, Dr. Carnes earned his Ph.D. in Counselor Education and Organizational Development from the University of Minnesota. His academic background laid the foundation for his work in the field of addiction. Regarding his pioneering work, Dr. Carnes is often credited with pioneering the concept of sexual addiction. In the 1980s, he published groundbreaking books that helped bring attention to the issue and provided insights into the nature of compulsive sexual behaviors. Among his influential works are Out of the Shadows, Understanding Sexual Addiction, which was published in 1983, and Don't Call It Love, Recovering from Sexual Addiction. That was published in 1991. These books have become key resources for individuals struggling with sexual addiction and for professionals in the field. Regarding the development of the task model, Dr. Carnes developed the task model of treating sexual addiction, which is a comprehensive framework that addresses various aspects of recovery. This model has been widely used in therapeutic settings to guide the treatment of individuals with compulsive sexual behaviors. Dr. Carnes is the founder of ITAP, an organization that provides training, certification, and resources for professionals working in the field of addiction, including sexual addiction. Regarding Dr. Carnes' clinical experience, throughout his career, Dr. Carnes has worked extensively as a clinician, helping individuals and couples navigate the challenges of sexual addiction. His clinical experience has informed both his research and his development of therapeutic approaches. Furthermore, Dr. Carnes has been involved in discussions around the inclusion of compulsive sexual behavior in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, DSM. While the DSM-5 did not officially include hypersexual disorder as a diagnosis, his work has influenced a broader conversation about the classification of problematic sexual behaviors. In addition to his work with ITAP, Dr. Carnes has been involved in training and educating mental health professionals on the assessment and treatment of sexual addiction. He has conducted numerous workshops, seminars, and training programs globally. Dr. Carnes has received recognition for his contributions to the field, including awards for his advocacy and leadership in addiction treatment. 
Dr. Carnes has left a lasting legacy in the field of sexual addiction treatment. His research, writing, and advocacy have helped raise awareness, reduce stigma, and improve the understanding and treatment of compulsive sexual behaviors. In terms of sexual addiction recovery, Dr. Carnes developed a 30-task model of recovery as part of his comprehensive approach to treating sexual addiction. These 30 tasks are organized into three stages, each representing a different phase of the recovery process. It is important to note that these tasks are intended to guide individuals in their journey towards healing and are often used in the context of therapy. Next, I'll provide an overview of the 30 tasks of sexual addiction recovery. Starting with phase one, the foundation. These are tasks one through 10. The first part of the process is surrender. Surrender is about acknowledging the need for help and admit a powerlessness over addictive behaviors. It also involves hope, cultivating optimism about the possibility of recovery and a healthier future. It's about connection, establishing and maintaining a connection with a support system, such as a therapist, support group, and sponsor. It also involves awareness, developing an awareness of the consequences of addictive behaviors and their impact on oneself and others. Acceptance. This is about embracing acceptance of the reality of the addiction and its effects on one's life. Insight. This is about gaining insight into the patterns and dynamics of the addictive behaviors. Of course, education, learning about the nature of addiction and recovery, including the physiological and psychological aspects. And lastly, it includes spirituality. This is about exploring and developing a sense of spirituality or connection to a higher power. Next is phase two, the transition. These are tasks 11 through 20. Regarding boundaries, establish and maintain healthy personal boundaries in relationships and everyday life. Honesty, practicing honesty with oneself and others, addressing denial and facing uncomfortable truths. Values, clarify personal values and integrate them into decision-making and behavior. Commitment, make a commitment to the recovery process and maintain perseverance through challenges. Restitution. This is about making amends and restitution for past actions, taking responsibility for one's behavior. Next is generativity. This is about contributing positively to others in the community, fostering a sense of purpose. Self-care. Prioritize self-care, including physical health, emotional well-being, and overall wellness. Intimacy. Work on developing healthy intimacy with connection with oneself and others. Passion. Rediscover and cultivate personal passions and interest. And lastly, joy. Cultivate joy and pleasure in non-addictive ways, finding fulfillment outside of compulsive behaviors. Next is phase three, the transformation. These are tasks 21 through 30. Personal responsibility. This is about embracing personal responsibility for one's action and choices. Forgiveness. Working on forgiveness of oneself and others, letting go of resentment and guilt. 
Grief and loss. This is about how to process and grieve past losses associated with the addiction. Anger. Addressing and manage anger constructively, finding healthier outlets for expression. Loving relationships. This is about cultivating and maintaining healthy, loving relationships with others. Spiritual awakening. Deepening one's spiritual connection and continue the journey of self-discovery. Gratitude. Practicing gratitudes. Acknowledging positive aspects of life and recovery. Emotional regulation. Develop skills for emotional regulation and coping with life's challenges. Recreation. Engage in recreational activities that bring joy and fulfillment. And service. Learning how to contribute to the recovering community and others, helping those who are still struggling. These tasks are designed to guide individuals through a holistic recovery process, addressing the physical, emotional, spiritual, and relational aspects of addiction. It is essential for individuals to work with trained professionals, such as therapists or counselors, to navigate these tasks effectively and tailor them to their unique circumstances. Finally, it's important to note that discussions around sexual addiction are complex, and perspectives on the topic may vary within the mental health community. Dr. Karn's work, however, has been influential in shaping the discourse and providing valuable insights into the challenges of sexual addiction and recovery. Well, folks, there it is. I hope this has been helpful to you in understanding the history of sexual addiction. Thank you for listening to North Point's Counseling Perspective. If you enjoyed today's episode, please click like and don't forget to share your thoughts with me. Until next time, embrace healthy sexuality. Thank you.